You already know that Illegal Pete's makes delicious, mission-style Mexican food. But did you know that Illegal Pete's uses its marketing funds to support Colorado creative talent that we love? We support the Denver Diatribe podcast, the Grolix Comedy Showcase, Rocky Mountain Roller Girls, the Yellow Designs BMX Stunt Team, Apex Movement Parkour Team, the Underground Music Showcase, and more. We even have our own record label, The Greater Than Collective, with albums by The Epilogues, Snake Rattle Rattlesnake, Esme Patterson, Ian Cook, and comedian Ben Roy, and a starving artist program that feeds out-of-town bands traveling in Colorado for free. Illegal Pete's. We're more than just a restaurant. So, let us put our food, and music, and comedy, and sports, inside you. Please. Please. Denver, Denver, I'm from Denver, 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 I'm from Denver, I'm from Denver, 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 Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most gun-regulating city between Aurora and Littleton. I'm Jared Jacang Mayor. <laughs> Joining me today in the DNF Clock Tower in the heart of downtown Denver is co-host Ron Doyle. Hello, Ron, hello, good Ron, morning. Ron, it's been, it's been another year. I know, I know, the year is done. Oh my gosh. And because uh, we're coming to the close of another year, we are going to look back on it fondly with our special episode, The Biggest, Stupidest Stories of 2012. We'll tack- we will tackle the big, important issues that made headlines in 2012 and also the ridiculous, overblown, bullshit stories and events that were such big news at the time and now what we... <laughs> now, and now we're like, oh, that happened? That happened. That, that's really? sort of like the, the reaction that. that you have to some of these things. They're like, that happened. You're and like, you have... oh, right. I remember that. So uh, we did this same type of show last year. and This, it's, this is now an annual this tradition. This is now an annual. It's officially <laughs> annual. And uh, last year, the stories that we focused on were the Boulder Porta Potty Peeper, Scott Gessler, <laughs> Uh, gay marriage haters in the house and uh, Scotty Ewing, all still totally relevant. <laughs> still, still <laughs> in this day, and it's it is funny because I posted on Facebook asking people to give their nominations for the uh, uh, biggest stupidest stories of the year, and one commenter posted anything having to do with Tom Tancredo. Right. I wish that Tom Tancredo was still. I know. He hasn't done anything for all of 2012. He's probably the smallest story of 2012. He is. Well, the immigration in general is a much smaller story, at least people that are anti-immigration. You don't hear very much about that even here in Colorado. But let's uh, go through some of our big stories, Ron. Yeah, these are the things we did hear about. We did hear about. And then later on, we will go through some of the bullshit stories. These are are little nuggets. We're going to do these little tightly packed little nuggets of coal for you little bad, little you bad boys and girls out there you're just gonna poop these out see if you remember we're gonna sprint through memory lane okay starting off first at the beginning of the year ron do you remember <clears throat> the federal crackdown on medical marijuana shops wait wait Med- marijuana wasn't always perfectly fine <laughs> in Colorado. When, i do remember this when the yeah. biggest issue was medical marijuana uh at the beginning of the year the obama administration and federal prosecutors kind of cracked down on dispensaries that were within 1,000 feet of schools. Yeah, they did. You know, compared to what, what's been going on in California, uh, we, we've been very lucky to not have very much. They just, the federal government just started sending letters saying, yep. shut it down. Yep. Uh, they didn't, there weren't a lot of raids. But yeah, it, it is interesting uh, that that's changed. Uh, yeah, I do, remember, I do remember that story happening. The, uh, the medical marijuana industry was freaking out. Yep. They thought, oh, the man is coming for us. Here we go. And how things have changed. We'll get, we'll get to that we'll, really we'll, big change at the bottom we'll of get our big stories. Wildfires. Yeah, wildfires. You know, um, I don't know if everyone remembers, <laughs> but the entire state was on fire for most of the summer. We had, we had at least 10 major fires going on uh, throughout the majority of the summer. Some we still have burning. Uh, there's still some going on, and it hasn't snowed enough to be an issue. 
But I don't, I mean, it was such a big deal for a yep. long time. There were fundraisers going on. There were people selling special Absolutely. T-shirts. There was a whole, like, cottage industry that popped up just to deal with these wildfires. And they were national, national news. Yeah, yeah. Forget story. the Mayan apocalypse. The wildfire apocalypse and the description of that down in Colorado Springs, people running from their homes because these fireballs of death were rolling down the mountains. Yeah. And drive. I remember driving around, um, you know, on 36 and it was like in the middle of the day, clouds of just smoke and debris flying everywhere. I mean, by, yeah, uh, you know, we hear folks complaining about the snow right now, but by comparison, it's uh, not having any snow, but not being on fire is, is an improvement. And that's going to be the scary thing because next year we could be looking at an, a whole nother, uh, a whole nother series of wildfires. Even earlier. Yeah. Let's, let's hope that this doesn't get to a point that, um, Wildfires are so common that we don't even register it as news. Uh, ho- hopefully, if it happens again, that, that it'll still be a big story. Yeah. Uh, the Aurora Theater shooting. Oh, right. That thing. That thing. <laughs> that huge, huge thing. When uh, you it, was, get... it was bigger than the movie. The <laughs> movie the shooting out. happened. Yeah. The movie was a flop. Uh, but the theater shooting is still... It's still kind of hot news uh, in some arenas. Yep. And he's... Uh, you know, his trial or his case is winding its way through the court, so we're still hearing a lot of the legal dealings of that coming out and learning more about the twisted mind of James Holmes. All I, all I can really say is I'm just I'm very thankful that uh, Melanie Asmar Westward is put on that, that beat. I feel bad for her that she's doing it, but I'm really glad that she's the one covering it because I, I, she, she's able to take some, this sort of balanced opinion on it. She doesn't sensationalize the whole thing like she could have. She could. And I, I've enjoyed yep. the way she's been reporting it. Yep. And in other uh, demented murderers, yeah, the just Jessica the, Ridgway abduction. Yeah, I, God, it, I mean that that was really huge. Also, national news. It was, that was that was a national freakout mm-hmm. uh, for several weeks, uh, trying to find this this girl, uh, and then and then discovering that it was a seventeen year old boy. And discovering well that her her going missing and her, hearing yeah, all about that and it was about a twenty four hour forty eight hour search for her. Then they started finding clues and I remember everyone was following it really closely on Twitter um, and Facebook. People were posting all these alerts and then the discovery of her uh, body badly dismembered uh, and then that led them to this. What is he? He's seventeen. I, th- I think he's. I'm, I'm he's, pretty he sure he's, age, he's, yeah. he's fifth. He's somewhere between fifteen and seventeen. Yeah. He's a teenager. But he will. He, but he has been charged as an adult. He's been charged as an adult. His mother turned him in uh, because he confessed to her. This is uh, Austin Sig. Yeah, Austin Sig. Another case winding its way through the courts. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was a it was a really violent uh, year for Colorado. Was, there yeah. are a lot of shootings. A lot of things going on. Well, I, it's. I think what made both the James Holmes and the Austin Sig uh, cases unique is just the, the level of of kind of demented uh, chaos. Yeah, it was, it was twisted. I mean, it was yeah, anytime just... you get a child involved, people are going to be upset. And it was also it, it was an abduction story, so it was a situation where there was a possibility that the child was alive. Yep. And and that that time was of the essence that if people could hurry. Uh, they might find her and make sure she's safe. So the the emotional level and the the stakes were much higher with this. And yeah, and people are still I, people still talk about it. I I know my my family. I have two daughters, and yep. the the way we see the world has has changed uh, because of that story. It was it was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, shifting to something Not- <laughs> that no one really remembers or thinks about anymore. Occupy Denver. Occupy sidewalk. Occupy the sidewalk in Civic Center Park. How long were they actually there before they got um, finally evicted by the Denver police in they, March? They had a good run of almost I I mean, it was gosh, about six months, right? I would say closer to nine months yep. where they were they were occupying, and it was really a well. It went through these issue. stages, right? When when last uh, in the fall of 2011, when the Occupy movement really hit in yes. New York and Zuccotti Park. People were occupying the actual Civic Center Park. There was, um, you know, tents set up and food stands and kind of a little city there in the middle of city's Civic Center Park. But then there was just a series of evictions where they kind of went from getting kicked out of Civic Center Park and then they were on the sidewalk there right, right. along, uh, what would that be? Uh, along Broadway. Along Broadway. And uh, then that prompted the city to actually 
at least talk about enacting this. Our, one of our next big stories of the year was the outdoor camping ban. Yeah, um, there there was a lot of argument that no, this is a thing to deal with homelessness, but uh, most most folks agreed that this was probably a convenient way to end the Occupy movement. I mean, they did evict the protesters from the Occupy uh, from Occupy Denver. Yep. They evicted them out of the park in March. And then the camping ban took effect in June. And, and the, I sort of want to put this one, this one in the stupid stories category. Think, uh, it was a really big story mm-hmm. at the time. But if you look around Denver, um, the way the homeless folk are behaving has not changed dramatically. So you're talking about the actual camping ban. The actual camp. I'm talking about the camping ban now. Yeah. That the camping ban was a, it was a huge story yeah. at the time. It was a very big deal. People were very upset about it. We talked about it a lot on the podcast. If you're outlawing home, just the act of being homeless. The, uh, yeah, you're, if you're functionally outlawing the act of being homeless. But then if you look around the city now, I don't, I don't see that there's been a significant change. Yeah, because the Denver Police Department did say, well, even though this law is on the books, we we're going to take all of these steps before we'd actually arrest or jail anyone just for sleeping right. outdoors. I do know that there's been stories just recently about how um, programs to be able to take when the when the shelters fill up there, like at the Denver Rescue Mission, uh, and it's getting cold right now, so now they take all the overflow and they'll bring homeless people to uh, local rec centers and have them actually sleep in like the gymnasiums and things like that. They should so, have them sleep at Manual High School. That that school's got so much <laughs> vacant space. Exactly. It'd be perfect. Yeah, I mean DPS has all these empty buildings. Might as well, right? Close yeah. Those out. Yeah. Speaking of other things getting shut down, uh, this was a huge story for us. It not really covered many other places, but we covered. <laughs> we the, went kind of crazy with we it. We covered the hell out of it. Uh, the Denver AV Club, uh, AV Club Denver Boulder shut down for this for year. the Onion. Uh, yeah, the Onion. The Onion AV Club decided to consolidate. Uh, all of its uh, efforts into one central hub, and they started shutting down all of their uh, their local content. Yep. Um, several years worth of content, and really the big thing that we we were worried about was they were shutting down the website uh, and taking taking away I mean, this massive archive of art and culture here yep. in Denver. So all the articles over the years about bands, uh, mu- music criticism, uh, food coverage art shows i i mean you name it if it was art or culture in denver it was covered by the av club and and then they said eh, we're just gonna delete it yeah and and uh we checked this morning yep. and it says page not found so all that content uh is no longer online although i did although, i do think that we yeah the as soon as we reported this story i had i actually <laughs> I had a friend from Sweden saying, "Go check my Dropbox, so you can you can download the whole." Internet. We had lots of folks we downloading copies. all the content. People down slurp and... the archives. So if you'd like a copy, yeah, send, drop us an email. Drop us an email. We probably have one sitting around somewhere. Uh, <laughs> um, we we uh, we asked a couple folks to come on the podcast. It's just you. It's just the two of us this morning, Jared. <laughs> it's, it's the holidays. People are busy doing stuff and. Uh, and frankly, there's so much to cover. It's better that it's just the two of us anyway. But um, we did ask Matt Ferner from uh, Huffington Post Denver to come on the podcast, and he shared a couple of stories uh, that were big stories for them. And for, Huffington the, Post, for Huffington Denver. Post Denver. They said one of their biggest stories of the year was Jackson Ripley, uh, this little boy uh, who wrote a letter to Mitt Romney. Um, it was an exclusive that they did, and he, he's 12 years old. 12 years old, he wrote this letter saying, you know, basically, Mr. Romney, the direction you want to take the country is wrong. Yeah. And he just he just lit into the, in, lit into the presidential And candidate. I think when, the, you know, Huffington Post Denver put that up and it kind of went viral and was a huge story for them for a few days and around the Internet, I kind of read that letter and I was like, this this little boy is very precocious or he's had some assistance in writing this right. open letter. I think, I think the story was almost bigger because of the debate on whether or not he wrote the story. Yeah. There was so much of the... There was like 10,000 comments. Oh, my God. There were like 10,000 comments, and, and it was mostly people going, he didn't write that. Yes, he... he or, or he's been totally brainwashed by his parents. Well, what are parents supposed to do other than brainwash their children? Of course. <laughs> well, I was just impressed that there was actually a... Uh, a millennial, uh, you know, not even a millennial. He's like 12 years old and 
actually sat down and wrote out a letter. <laughs> it just seems so anachronistic. He didn't send a te- an open text to Mitt Romney instead. <laughs> right. uh, well, and another story that was big on Huffington Post Denver that got national news was uh, how the, the CU Denver professors had predicted the election. They have this, uh, this model that they have that predicted the election would go to Mitt Romney uh, and that Mitt Romney would win Colorado and other states primarily because of the uh, the economy. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So so the University of Colorado there in Boulder in its little enclave of uber liberalism uh, came out with a study saying, nope, Romney's going to win. And yeah, there you go. They were completely wrong. Totally wrong. Totally wrong. And I, I wonder how that CU professor feels right now. I actually heard an interview with him and. Uh, he was talking about, well, our model, which is based prim- primarily on historical economic data, yeah. looking at all the other elections, presidential elections in the past, and putting more weight on how unemployment rate and uh, how well the economy is performing, that no matter what the politics are, that the incumbent president will always lose. And then, it, was, it was a fair bet. It was a fair, it was a fair bet, and um, you know, I didn't necessarily disagree with it at the time, but of course, on the other end of the spectrum, there's like New York Times blogger Nate Silver, who showed a different model yep. and actually was the one that was able to accurately predict which states would go to Barack Obama. Just nailed it. So I think those professors are going to have to rejigger their system there. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, another... Uh, we also asked uh, Kelsey Whipple, uh, the web editor at Westward, to to come join us this morning. She <laughs> Should said we just yes. go through all the people that we've asked <laughs> and that aren't on? No, I'm bringing it up because uh, the next the next big story... Um, if Westward had a big story of the year, without a doubt, it would be, uh, medic- it would be marijuana, uh, Amendment 64 passing, and marijuana becoming legal in this state. I, I have note that that was the big story for Westward, without a doubt. And uh, so, yeah, I don't, e- I don't even know where to start. Yeah, that. so marijuana legalized by voters. And, and as even though, this, even as though, even though we had Monday, talked about it and we thought, even beforehand, looking at the poll numbers, that wow, this thing could pass. When it actually did pass, in um, you know, on November seventh, when we came on here, were you, weren't you just totally still shocked? That I was. This I was kind of. I'm still kind of floored because you know, you look at uh, places like Facebook, where I interact with a wide variety of individuals, old old friends from high school, and like older family members, and uh, older colleagues, very conservative folk. It's really changed. The conversation about yeah. marijuana is now just way out in the open. People are more than comfortable to talk about it in a way that never was okay. And before. it's so strange. It's kind of like the gay marriage debate or same sex yes. marriage. How just in just in like eight months, all the scenes that the, the the medium of that debate just seemed to totally shift. In the same way with with marijuana, people are openly talking about. Well, is it so bad? And I think that by having voters in Colorado and Washington state pass um, the recreational use of marijuana and approve that, it really kind of set the bar in a totally different location. There's no longer, um, you don't have to be kind of like the, the stoned legalize it hippie standing out there on the sidewalk with the sign. You can be a sort of a person who like me, who doesn't smoke marijuana. Right. Um, you know, I don't really, uh, I don't really care either way whether or not people do it. And I think that that's where people are kind of approaching this now. Yeah, it's it's become more of a it's it's become more of a rights issue as well as an an income issue. People are now looking at it and saying, "Oh, why weren't we making money on this before? This is a this is a good way to get out of uh some of the financial troubles that uh local governments are in just by taxing this thing that's been illegal for so long. And, and, you know, there was, there was also a very large study by a Mexican think tank that said that just Washington state alone, they didn't even calculate Colorado into uh, this analysis because they didn't think Colorado was going to pass at the time, but Washington state alone legalizing marijuana could cut 20% of the drug cartel income. Uh, The Mexican drug cartels can be knocked down by 20% billions of dollars taken out of their coffers uh, because they're no longer a viable source. So that's, yep. that's really interesting that um, it turned out to be that way, that people are looking at it from a different angle versus the, this is, uh, this is something that's, that's just bad and wrong. Yep. And now people are saying, well, you know, it, yeah. Yeah. And this week, uh, 
Governor Hickenlooper quietly signed uh, on Monday in, in, into law in this kind of quiet ceremony. He, he's a kind of in an interesting place with this. It seems like he's being very careful in how he's perceived and any action he takes. Um, well, on I've, this. I've said all along, I don't think I don't think there are any very many smart politicians out there that are opposed to it, but they're all opposed to it publicly. Uh, mm-hmm. They have to be. Uh, they have to say we don't approve. We don't approve of drugs. Yep. Uh, but then once it passes, yep. they're not. Well, going they have to, to be. It. They have to look like they're being brought into this kicking and screaming, I, right? I, it's I, like they they I'm they just doing the will of the people. Yep, exactly, and that's how they can. That's how they can be safe on this, even though everyone knows that the that the drug war is uh, probably failing, and it's the industrial complex around fighting drugs has grown too big, and it can't be sustained for all these reasons. No one wants to be the one that is going to be the proponent of this and even barack obama this week in an interview said that he would not be um the feds would not be devoting resources to prosecuting uh citizens in colorado or washington state for possessing and smoking small amounts of marijuana he's he has he has reverted back to uh his stance on medical marijuana when he first took office in, that's true in 2009 yeah. and back then he said we're not going to that's really when this all got started. This is when medical marijuana really yep. took off is whenever he, he made the executive order saying that's we're right. not going to mess with it. Yep. Yep. And, that, and that's, where all the, that's when all of a sudden all the dispensaries started popping up yes. all over Colorado and in Denver. And it seemed like the Wild West for a while before tighter regulations were passed. So you, what do you think is going to be Obama's stance going forward? I mean, this is the big question. Everyone's trying to figure out what is going to be the federal he's, response. He's going to take the exact same stance that uh, Mayor, uh, Governor Hickenlooper and Mayor Hancock and all the local uh, government officials here have taken all the way up until it passed. He's going to say, I'm opposed to this. It's illegal. It's federal law. And drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. Do okay? you think that until, until the Supreme Court uh, I mean, the federal government, somebody at the federal government is going to file a suit against Colorado. It's going to go to the Supreme Court, and then they're going to, they're going to make a judgment on it. And I would be willing to suspect that the Supreme Court will say, this is something that you have to leave alone, uh, that you have to let it lie. And at yeah. that point, then everybody, all the federal government will sort of throw up their hands and say, well, it's been decided. Yeah, or, the, you know, the, or there's a, you know, a, a change in federal law at the congressional level. I think there's going to be state by state. You're going to see more and more states in the next election cycle passing these types of laws, and it just becomes too too much of a, a critical mass, and they can't fight it. But do, do you think that we'll see any DEA action? Like we talked about the DEA or the Department of Justice sending all these letters to dispensary owners. Do you think there's we're going to see any of that? Uh not on individuals. I don't. Uh, the DEA has always taken the stance that they're not going to fight against individuals. Uh, they're not going to go after. And that's right now all that it is legal. Marijuana mm-hmm. is now legal in Colorado as of this Monday. Uh, for but nobody, you can't sell it. Yep. You can you can own it. You, anything that you have now is grandfathered in, and uh, you can give it to friends. You can grow up to six plants. Yep. And, and but give if you still but if you're still caught with more than an ounce, even under state law, you're still you're still screwed. You're still, you're still screwed. Uh, but uh, to to answer your question about the DEA. I think the DEA is going to get involved if um, the growing operations, if, whenever it becomes a commercial venture, whenever it becomes so a retail So the big players, thing, the people that are making lots and lots of money off it, they're going to target them. I think they might start targeting them if, uh, if it starts getting out of hand. Um, and I also think that, you know, there is, there's an argument the way the, the amendment was written that, uh, that growers, that individuals might be able to form a co-op. And a bunch of individuals all pool their six plants together and grow them all in one central location. I think if that starts happening, uh, then the DEA might get involved as well. But otherwise, no, I don't think they're going to do anything. So, Ron, before we move on to our stupid stories, out of all the things that we just talked about for the big stories, what what do you think was the biggest? What was the the biggest game changer? Um, Oh... What are are the criteria? What makes it a big story? As far as news coverage... Yep. Or um, as the far thing as that mattered the social, most, the thing that mattered the most. God damn, I don't know. Um, as far as as far as human lives being affected yep. uh, here, specifically in Colorado, I actually think the wildfires was a really big deal, and there's still people that are going to be recovering from that yep. for a long time. On a like long term, this is going to be affecting us for the rest of our lives. Yeah, it was weed. 
It, yeah. it was marijuana. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think Amendment 64 was probably the big story, and it's going to be a story that is going to be big all in 2013. Oh, absolutely. It'll be on our, I'm already putting it on the list for next year. I'm calling it now. Okay, well, that's it for our big stories of the year. Listeners, if you want to tell us about what we missed or any of the stories that uh, you think were bigger than the ones that we talked about, uh, let us know. Leave a comment on DenverDietribe.com, like us on Facebook, or drop us a line at 720-282-YELL. So before we get into our stupid stories of the year, and there's some really stupid ones, let's take a quick... Oh, wait, 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 can we get... Uh, I want to do this before the break and after the break. Our, uh, we're going to be doing our episode uh, in a couple of weeks, the uh, Asshole of oh, the Year, right. 2012 How can I forget? Asshole of the Year. So if you have nominees uh, for Asshole of the Year, we're going to get a bunch of names coming in the stupid stories that might be good candidates. Yep. Yep. So keep these in mind. Keep if you have any suggestions, online. email us, call us, tweet us, do, do your thing. Let us know who should be. Colorado's 2012 Asshole of the Year. Nice. Okay, let's take a quick break. The blaze is spread and the acres burned and the air was filled with smoke from homes and it seemed like half the state was burned to hell. Nothing seemed like the world was gonna end that summer more, my friend, than the Colorado fires of 2012. Okay, welcome back to the Denver Diet Tribe. We just tackled our biggest stories of 2012. Now we go into our stupidest, most ridiculous, most overblown, bullshittiest stories and events that happened this year. And there was there was a lot of good stuff. And <laughs> we actually kind of had to dig through both our our, our archives and uh, reach out to some other folks to th- see what they thought. But the one that immediately jumped out to me, and I actually think that this is going to be more than even some of the big stories of the year, years from now, people in Boulder especially, this will be burned in their mind, the photo of the bear falling out of the tree. Yeah, you know, I think the the bear falling out of the tree should be in the biggest stories of the year <laughs> because it's a meme now, Jared. It's a meme on it's the It's a interweb. serious meme. Yeah. So, so uh, for, for <laughs> people who somehow missed this, Ron, can you describe what it is and what happened? <laughs> well, there uh, over the summer... Uh, Boulder had a bit of a problem with bears. Actually, most of Colorado, you know, urban yeah. areas in It's Colorado, not unusual. They come down, they crawl up a tree, and then they... they come down, they were getting in the come. dumpsters. In this case, one crawled up into a tree, and it was stuck there like a helpless kitten. And instead of bringing out the fire trucks with the ladder, they <laughs> brought out a tranquilizer gun. Yeah. They put out this big, uh, crash, big crash pad for the uh, bear to land on. And a, a student uh, journalist at the Colorado Daily... At the moment the bear was falling out of the tree, snapped a photo. <laughs> and it is, it is it's just most, weird. It's like it's, it's like the it, most it almost looks photo. like it's Photoshop fate because a bear is like spread out, spread like eagle, a human, completely and spread. And he's just kind of like sideways, and it's it's one of those things that's just so random and weird that it just took off as soon as they put it online. Oh, iconic! Absolutely iconic! Huge. Huge, <laughs> and so it spread right. And there wasn't anything else to it than that, really. I no, mean, it's like, there it's was. A, there was so much more. Well, because well, I when, mean, just, just the, the idea of it. There wasn't a bigger story at the time. But oh then no, it there was nothing more into, to it. It developed story. into more because now that people were paying attention, they took this bear, tranquilized him, took him back out into the woods, dropped him off, and he came back. He ran back down, and because he was coming back, he got hit on US thirty six and yes. died. Um, that poor bear, falling bear, died. And another casualty was the actual student journalist who took the photo. Do you do you remember how this played out? He no. was so you know, so he took this photo, the Daily Camera or whatever, Colorado Daily, which is owned by or which is owned by the Daily Camera, uh, you know, put it up on their newspaper, they paid him whatever they usually pay for photos, and then it went viral, went up on all these different locations, and then he came back and was very upset, saying that he deserved greater compensation because this photo had been used Worldwide, worldwide, spreading yeah. everywhere, and he wanted his. He hadn't realized that he took something so iconic; it was now in the public domain. It was so heavily used. Yeah, that he yeah no but he was still trying to it. get his. <laughs> God bless him. God, <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> Do you remember uh, Representative Laura Bradford with the drink, drink, glug, glug? I, room, I do room? remember this. This had to do with a an issue where she got pulled over for a, a, uh, a suspected DUI. Uh, 
there on Colfax near the Capitol. She got she got pulled over with a gun in the car yeah. and she was drunk, and then said legislative immunity. Uh, because here in Colorado, apparently uh, Colorado legislators are immune from yeah. uh, traffic violations if they are coming or going from a legislative session. Apparently, you can get you yeah. can drive drunk home from from Colorado. But that State was that was the initial story. Why it felt like such a scandal was that the police let her go. Yes. and initially they said that she claimed legislative immunity. Right, 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 that right. That was right. the initial story, but then as the story got deeper and everyone started digging into this up at the Capitol. They were going to bring her before the, um, a hearing before the ethics committee. It turned out that the police made the assumption that she had legislative immunity. Oh, she never personally claimed it. And so they yeah. took it upon themselves to let her go. And then actually flubbed that little truth, that very yeah, important, right. uh, distinction that they were the ones that made that call, not, her it was still the fact that they if they had if it hadn't gone that way she she probably would have gone to jail for a dui and it would have been a big story but she was able to um fudge her way out of it fudge her way out of it well she didn't have to do anything she didn't have to actually do anything to claim legislative immunity it just happened she just got out at 11 30 at night you know coming from a long (laughs) session of legislating (laughs) you know i have to say okay just just a quick side note it's kind of nice that we're doing all these stories, and the Denver Police Department, that's really one of the only ones where they're involved. Yeah. I, I guess the camping ban and Occupy Denver, they were involved there. But for the most part, well, and that's the an Denver Police Department yeah. has come around, yeah. and they've, they've toned it up. Well, they've and, cleaned their act up a And a lot a of credit probably has to go to the new Denver Police Chief, Robert White. His handling, even of that Laura Bradford case, was one of the ways that I think it can be demonstrated that there has been a a change there at the Denver police department towards greater transparency. It was his call to hold a press conference and immediate, you know, when, when it became clear that those police officers had lied, he held a police or held a press conference and came clean about it and took responsibility. And, uh, I don't know if that really would have happened in the same way under previous police chiefs. I don't think so. Uh, no. It, yeah, so so a minor, small, not stupid story. Yeah. Denver police, good job, guys. Yeah, well, maybe that's, maybe that's an untold story is the fact that among our big stories aren't shootings, beatings, beatings. caught on tape, yeah. uh, police lying. I mean, the, those issues still come up naturally, but we're not talking about Denver police brutality in 2012. Yeah, which is great. That's good. Yeah, that makes me really happy, actually. I'm feeling all warm and fuzzy inside. Okay, well, this next story should make you feel really warm and fuzzy. The blackface boy. (laughs) The kid in blackface. (laughs) Yeah, um, this this summer there was a a boy, a second or third grader, who they were asked to dress up as someone who inspires them. He lives in Peyton, Colorado, down in Peyton, Colorado. Down in Peyton, Colorado. He was asked to dress up as someone who inspires him. For class. For class. And he dressed up. He put on a fake mustache. He was was Martin Luther King. He was Martin Luther King Jr. He's he's a very young white uh, boy. And he put on blackface, shoe polish on his face, shoe polish on his face, and then was promptly sent home for doing it. And and there was quite the outrage over Quite the outrage, especially among the conservative outrage media industry. Uh, And the funniest (laughs) thing about it is when you look at him, he looks more like a really dirty Adolf Hitler. Yeah, he looks like a dirty Hitler or like, like... uh, t- Tom Martino come out of a coal mine. <laughs> yes, it's like we'll, we'll, we will post that photo too. He's uh, it's had this like little kind of mustache. Yes, and very... <laughs> he's like him getting interviewed. His uh, hair and slicked back. Uh, <laughs> so that happened. Oh god! And yeah. this also God happened. bless Peyton, Colorado. And this leads us to our next story: Peyton Manning. Oh, Peyton! Do you remember? Okay, Peyton, do you remember? But there was something before Peyton Manning. <laughs> and, yes. I, and I can't recall what, what there was something existed in, in Denver media sphere is it, before. Is it, is it, wait, planking? Is it the planking where you lay down? And no, the, the photo? I think it started it's the with horse, a T or something like horse that. Horse meaning where you lean back and you pretend that your head's taken off in a photo. T-bowing. T-bowing. And t-bowing. There, was, there was a reason why people t-bowing. were. We talked about t-bowing. t-bowing. What is this? T-bowing is, is, a, is a verb to, what does that mean? 
I don't know. To be, I think it's a verb to be over, overblown and <laughs> over-exaggerated. To be, ext- I, yeah, oh, that's right. A T-bowing is a verb. It means to be extremely attractive, <laughs> um, not very talented, and, and overly acknowledged. Yes, yes, and yes. very Christian. Tim Tebow, I can't believe that he was, he, he captured the minds and the debate of Denver oh so he was thoroughly. So adored and, then, and so hated at the same time. You know, about you know, his Christianity and his playing. I mean, there was, there was multiple levels at which he seemed to be a, a, a unintentional lightning rod. I mean, it's not like he was out there necessarily um, getting into trouble or anything no, like that. No, it, like, it was just it, him existing caused controversy. Yeah, yeah, and now he's gone, and it's like no one gives a fuck anymore. It's like Peyton oh Manning no, came, and, and it's just like a lobotomy, a collective <laughs> lobotomy in the wider Denver sports world, and all of it, all of Tebow was forgotten because we had someone who is equally bombastic, or not? He's actually not bombastic, but no. someone who's equally large in our mind to replace him. I mean, do you remember? Do you remember when the courting was going on of Peyton Manning? They were doing they were doing helicopter. <laughs> helicopter right. shots when of he got him off the drive, plane. Yeah. got him off the plane. They were following his car in a helico- with a helicopter because this was this was what like August, I, and there's no story to talk about anyway. It's sort it of a amazing. slow news cycle, yeah. and they're following him through the streets, making sure. Oh, he's walking in. He's ta- oh, he just shook John Elway's yep. hand. Yep. Oh, yep. and oh. then the coverage up to the first game. Remember oh, that? Oh my God! All the de- all the debate this... about what will he be. <clears throat> able to throw is he going to crack in half and goose spill out <sighs> no one really knew no one and, really knew and in meanwhile he's still getting paid fifty five thousand dollars a day whether he plays or not <laughs> although you got to give the boy credit uh captain big head uh if he's he's really done his job yep. he yep. he has done exactly what he came here to do and done way better than anybody expected and also he did something else special he gave john elway a way to get rid of tim tebow yep which um, I'm sort of disappointed for because as as uh, someone who pays attention to the news, it was sort of fun to watch that that uh, that relationship yep. go on. It was yep. so ugly and sour. And it's also a way for um, John Elway to kind of vicariously preserve and project his legacy going forward um, now that he's there as an executive at the Denver Broncos. And yeah. this is going to be his his next chapter was I – John Elway, who brought in I got Peyton, Peyton Manning. Manning, and I got rid of that. Another person who's been doing verb. his job very effectively at being a complete <clears throat> bonehead asshole who makes statements <laughs> out of the out of the side of his ass is Doug Lamborn. Oh, Doug, and, Dougie, Doug. Here's here's asshole asshole. You're not potential. I th- I think he's ver- I think he's so. Worthy. What what did he do, Ron? Uh, D- Doug Lamborn uh, in June. Um, uh, was there was there was a, uh, a hearing going on, a congressional hearing going on regarding water quality uh, in a mining town, and there is this photographer that is well known for taking photographs of people in these poor conditions, and she took a photograph of yep. a little five year old girl bathing in very it was I mean, like a photojournalism kind of standard. You'd see exactly what you would expect in National Geographic. Uh, if it were a third world country, nobody would have blinked about this. Yep. But because it was here in the United States, people reacted very strongly. This girl in like filthy mining water, yep. Yep. bath and water. And so they submitted that to a subcommittee hearing that had to do with fracking or drilling. It had mining, to do with mining. Like that. Yeah. And Doug Lamborn had it sort of taken out of the. Because uh, he said because he, he called had it child pornography. Because he said it was chi- it was pornographic that it that it was child porn- pornography and completely inappropriate. It was really he was trying to remove this this very strong emotional compelling case uh, that opposed him. Uh, but yeah, and then we had a porn star on the podcast come talk about it, and she actually sided with Lamborn. That, she, that was kind of surprising. She's like she's yeah, like I think that was child pornography. Kinda, I'm a I am a porn star, and that's kind of dirty. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was a little strange. (laughs) (laughs) It was a little strange, and you know, it was it was kind of a big deal at the time. But now it's yeah, I don't think anybody else. Well, you know, hopefully Doug Lamborn will fill the role of Tom Tancredo. A pretty stupid story. uh, He'll be our Tom Tancredo for the the coming years. There you go. Yeah, another stupid story of the year. Um, uh, One of a one of the finalists last year for asshole of the year was Corey Donahue. Uh, the the very loud uh, Occupy Denver protester. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not just Occupy Denver. It's whatever protest is going on, I'm in there um, saying my name yeah. out loud. Corey Donahue uh, this year 
was uh, was convicted of. Um, I'm trying to remember was the it like exact a misdemeanor assault or something. It was like misdemeanor. That? No, it was, it was a sexual uh, a oh, sexual charge. Right. He has to register register as a sex offender at 29 and years. And so old. what happened? He he was at a he was at a hearing or something. Right? He like was a city no. He meeting. was at a, he was at some sort of protest or some sort of meeting, and there was a tele, there was a television journalist. Oh, that's right. And uh, he he, uh, th- I mean, the whole case was about him whether it was a cup. We're talking about a nut, a nut tap. A nut tap. He 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 basically uh, walked slapped up to the, the guy in the slapped balls. the guy in the balls, and and now he now he's a registered sex offender for it. And I have to say, this was a this was a stupid story, but it was also a great story because now you don't hear about Corey Donahue nearly as much. He's finally learned to shut the fuck up. Yeah, which is I I personally think is fantastic. Yeah, a a, a good result of a of a nut tap. The <laughs> you know. When you when you get your t- nuts tapped, or cupped, or or swatted or whatever, um, you really hope this sort of thing comes out of it. I'll, something that will serve <laughs> the greater good, right? Uh, next story: Popcorn Huffer gets a settlement. Yeah, this this fellow uh, this fellow suit. First of all, how how do you thing? describe what what he got a seven million dollar settlement from Kroger, but the re. But the reason why he sued Kroger was because he got he got this he got this terrible disease that they're sort of nick, the the media has nicknamed popcorn lung, uh, and it's from huffing the uh, microwave popcorn the microwave popcorn bag. You you take it out of the microwave. Take it out of the microwave while it's still hot. You dump all the popcorn out and then you huff the bag, and it gets you high, I guess. Yeah. And he didn't just do this once. He did this d- daily. He, he daily loved doing this. Years, this he like loved it. It was his thing, thing. and it, it it did damage to his lungs like yeah irreparable damage to his lungs and so seven million dollars yeah that's crazy it's that's (laughs) that is just i mean for someone for someone that was doing a million dollars he was intentionally trying to hurt himself but we don't know if he actually it was a settlement so he did actually receive that money oh yeah seven million dollars seven seven point two that happen i think I i don't know i'm i'm uh Folks, if you have any sort of microwave food products that you know get you high, um, please email me and let me know. Um, I'm I'm interested because Papa needs a new pair of shoes. Here's a question, Ron. Yeah. If you, if someone was to say, I will give you seven million dollars, but you have to have popcorn lung, would you take it? Oh, good question. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know what popcorn lung entails. <laughs> <laughs> well, just imagine. You know, you have difficulty breathing. You probably have to walk around with a respirator. You wouldn't be able to, like, you know, go around and go outside. You wouldn't be able to go running, ride your bike. Um, you, your your quality of life would probably be pretty poor. But you'd also have seven million dollars. Mm, mm. Seven million dollars. Seven million dollars is pretty awesome. Okay. I don't. I don't know if I would. I mean, I have. I have my own. You know ailments and shortcomings and i don't get paid for those so so yeah that's a good question yeah. i don't know yeah. if i would yeah well i want to throw that out to some of our listeners if, if you yeah. would actually take this wager if you would say yeah i'll have popcorn lung because you could you'd have fine health care and you could probably you sure. know pay for a cure yeah maybe you could buy a lung or grow a lung or by uh, jove yeah Okay, I want my seven million. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there it's settled. Okay, our last stupid story of the year is one that just happened recently, and this is this is uh, one of those stupid stories that just hit this very visceral uh, Huge. nerve. People got so among upset. a certain subset of of Denverites. The Jerry Garcia, or, or, or okay, let's start the. It had to do with a Jerry Garcia mural in the yes. end, but it's what Jerry Garcia covered up, yeah, and, and where it was at. Yeah, outraged. so so Bender's Tavern closed down. Yep. It's the tavern there on what Fourteenth on Capitol Hill, Thirteenth, yeah, Thirteenth uh, in Capitol Hill, and uh, Johnny Johnny Cash was left there all alone. Yeah, the giant Johnny Cash mural that's been there it hasn't been there for that long. I was I was actually surprised. I think it's only been there since like two thousand two two thousand three. Really? I never really liked that mural. I don't know. why I never particularly it so liked it. I especially didn't like the way they did the little flag. The ribbon behind Benders, I thought it looked really cheap and cheesy. And but, Johnny Cash, like something looked wrong about his face. It was like a little bit set off, like a hey, 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 had like easy, easy, <laughs> easy. The Johnny Cash fans are going to be just and actually, this is us. this is exactly the debate that happened, like all over the comments. You don't talk about Johnny Cash is that, that way. Uh, uh, Coyotes 
opened up there, right? Yeah, Don, right? Don, Don Quixote's uh, opened up there. Uh, kind of the, Don, Don Quixote. Quixote's True Blue opened up there. They moved kind from of the their former bar. location. It's a, it's a Grateful Dead bar. Yeah. They moved there, and uh, as they should, they transitioned to a Grateful Dead-related uh so they Mural. covered Johnny Cash with Jerry Garcia. They covered Johnny. Getting the, to the they covered yeah. They covered Johnny Cash with Jerry Garcia, but left Johnny Cash's eyes peering. It was, through a, it was like they re, it was like they just repainted. They just painted a big Santa beard on Johnny Cash. That's what it was, <laughs> and it was just so so in, insane. And so people were there was multiple levels at which people got so outraged. Was one like how could you get rid of this mural by yes. right, Johnny Cash? Like I like Johnny Cash. How could you cover up Johnny Cash with Jerry Garcia? Yes. A sort, of, sort of a debate between different types of music lovers. Yes. And which one's better. And then an art debate about how shitty or not both of the murals were. Some people saying, well, the Johnny Cash, I never really liked that mural anyway, like I just said. And yeah, other yeah, people yeah, saying, yeah. what are you talking about? I love that. That's the first thing I remember about coming to Denver. I love that Johnny Cash mural so much. And other people saying he looked, he looked like a little bit um, you know, yeah, messed a, up. A little like, off a little bit off, like a Picasso, Johnny Cash face. And then talking about the, the awfulness of just the, the, the <laughs> this, just a, a, the laziness of the muralist just going and just painting a beard. On well, Cash. granted, he, he, paid, he paid for it later because he actually then painted, they painted over that one. They blacked <laughs> it out. He painted a new one that was better. Uh-huh. And then it got vandalized. <laughs> they threw paint on it. So as far as I know, that's where it's at right now. Uh. I actually like the way it turned out. He painted Jerry Garcia, and then people just threw all this, lots of different colors of paint. It looked like they took all the cheap clearance paint colors, like paint and pink and seafoam green, and they just splattered it. But now it really looks like a dead photo, oh, right? That's, that's right. It's got sort it's of like a psychedelic acid drip, sort of drip, drippy looking. They should leave it. I think that's how, how it think that's how this, it this, this debate is going to continue. Oh, we'll this, be talking about this in 2013. It's going to go from stupidest story of 2012 to biggest story of 2013. Okay. Well, let me, before we move on to our love and hate, one last promo for asshole of the year, assholeo of the year. Assholeo. Assholeo. <laughs> Let's, uh, let us know who you think is the biggest jerk face asshole who's had the biggest negative impact yeah. on Denver. You know, and you I, can no, define no, 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 no. We should just let's, negative let's impact. Clear, let's not, let's not quantify. Okay. Let's let, whatever let's you want leave to it say. loose. Okay. We're, so we're in the, we're not in the finalist zone right now. We're we just, just taking we nominations. Just you just throw names out. We'll, we'll, we'll pare it down. Yep. We'll figure it out. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Biggest asshole of the year. Let us know on Twitter, Facebook, or uh, give us a call at 720-282-YELL and give us your nominations. Let's move on to love and hate. Ron. Oh. <laughs> uh, Caught you off guard? No, no. Well, sort of. No, I, I know what I want to love and hate on. I, Do you have so, a love or a hate? <clears throat> this is a hate turned love Ooh. turned back to hate. So several months ago, uh, I, I had a hate turned love uh, related to um, city... Public Works um, okay. installing. Uh, there was there was this construction going on at my my intersection. I remember this. My neighbor, like the angry old man. About, I was the angry old man. Was it a cone that was out there too long? There, or a pile of. <clears throat> <clears throat> they started some sort of construction. They tore up the corners of all four inter- all, all four corners of the intersection right by my house, and they put in like they just shoveled in really shittily, uh, just piles of asphalt rock. And, and even, like, there's a, a, a cone turned upside down, like, stuck into the ground, all this weird stuff, and they just left it. And I was, I was, I was, I was going to be my hate, but then I realized that, no, they're installing brand-new streetlights. So that, it mm-hmm. turned into a love. I'm like, oh, cool. The, you know, this intersection needs a new streetlight. Great. Well, that was months ago. It hasn't changed. Uh, it's still shitty. So it's mm-hmm. back to hate. Uh, because they haven't and done your biggest mistake it. was was shifting to love in the first place. <laughs> your trust. I should have stayed. And so now cur- it's like a bitter hate, a jilted. You were a jilted lover. Because I, because <laughs> I tried. I gave him a chance. I was like, you know, I'm being yeah. a jerk about this. No, I was right. I'm completely right. Now that there's, you'll never love again. Not. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that's that's mine for now. Okay, <laughs> so my hate is um, about a story on the front page of the Denver post uh, about Hickenlooper and statements he made about gun control caused a lot of controversy uh, with people like uh, incoming House Minority Leader Mark Waller, a conservative, saying that 
I'm guessing Hickenlooper got some grief from the far left when he made those comments about gun control and it caused him to shift. Other people are calling him a flip-flopper. And the thing that caused all this controversy is John Hickenlooper basically said, well, I think it, we should have a debate about gun control. That was his, that was his controversial statement. That, not that, that he wanted... We should discuss this. Not that he wanted to have... Uh, certain legislation passed, not that he was um, making critical comments about the NRA or the gun lobby, just the fact that he thinks uh, the debate should be opened up. It's so funny to me that in a state like Colorado, which has a Democratic governor, which just elected um, a Democratic uh, legislature, which voted for Barack Obama, that still, when a Democratic governor in Colorado State just makes a vague, open-ended statement about a, gun a control. Very balanced it causes statement. this immediate counter-reaction from gun rights uh, advocates that I think is just meant to scare people back into the hole. I mean, clearly what, what what's going on deeper here is that in 2013, will the, the democratically Democrat-controlled House and Senate and the governorship take on some sort of gun control measure. So everyone's testing the waters, and so people felt the need to immediately jump on this. But um, it's just funny. We talk about where the lines of debate are, you yeah. know, and how things shifted so quickly in other directions on pot and same-sex marriage. Well, it's clear that, at least on gun control and the debate about guns in America, it's still very, still, very it's still, stuck in one place. still swung far to the right. It's, it still is far, far to the right, uh, to the point to where... Even even suggesting to bring it bringing it to the middle feels like you're being crazy liberal. And I will say one thing before we go is that I think the big story of 2013 is going to be uh, the Colorado passing a same-sex marriage or a civil unions. Bill. Oh, you're calling it now. Yeah, I'm going to call it. Interesting. We'll see. I, okay. I, yeah, I'd like well, to that's that. all the love and hate we have this week for our big and stupid stories of 2012. If you'd like to share a little of your own big stories or love and hate, please leave us a brief message at 720-282-YELL, 720-282-9355. Our theme music is by TJ Miller from his extended play EP, and our web hosting is provided by bluechannel.com. For more information about the Denver Diatribe, check out our website, DenverDiatribe.com. Search for Denver Diatribe on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Jerry Duquesne, Mayor. Thanks a lot for listening. Have you heard the birds at the words Denver? High average income, roll like big spenders. Affordable housing, good money lenders. Low obesity, no need for suspenders. Check your calendar. Denver, Denver. Denver.